everybody, welcome to the Quant in Tech podcast. My name is Sita and I'm going to be your host. Week by week, join us as I'll be having personal conversations with some of the very best experts in the quantum industry. They'll be giving their experiences, insights and perspectives around quantum, the work that they've done and what we might be able to expect in the future when it comes to quantum technology implementation and quantum computing. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the next episode of the Quant in Tech podcast. Um, I'm really, really excited um, because we have Alexei from Standard Chartered here with us today. Um, he is Managing Director and Global Head of Data Analytics at Standard Chartered, so is responsible for providing those services to corporate, commercial and institutional banking divisions at the bank. So um, welcome, Alexei. How are you today? Uh, hello, Sita. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for having me at uh, this podcast, uh, and I'm looking forward to a very interesting discussion. Great. Okay, well, let's get started. Um, so I just want to get a bit of background. So, Alexi, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background so far, um, your experiences with quantum up until this point? Sure. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that I'm a former physicist. So, uh, quantum computing is not something that is completely unnatural to me, even mm -hmm. though uh, over the last um, <clears throat> uh, 20 years uh, I had uh, numerous positions in finance. I, <clears throat> I, I left uh, physics uh, back in late 90s, mm -hmm. and now I have over 20 years of finance industry experience, but I still um, uh, have emotional attachment uh, to <laughs> physics. Yeah. <laughs> to my previous life as a researcher mm -hmm. and um, I think it's it's actually amazing that now it's it's possible uh, to uh, to do physics while working in finance <laughs> uh, because uh, what we're doing now is very synthetic in nature and, and generally cutting-edge research is very interdisciplinary in nature. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of interesting use cases, interesting problems in finance that can be addressed using new techniques like uh, quantum computing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why my educational background and my experience as a quant um, come together and I think uh, in a productive way. Yeah well and, and it's so great that you can kind of combine both worlds really um, and I suppose that's what today's episode is going to be focused on. We're going to be looking at um, kind of Alexi's work with quantum um, but we're also going to be looking at that applicability of quantum within a, a banking and a financial sense. So um, so my kind of first question for you, um, let's start really from the beginning and kind of do a bit more of a deep dive. Um, what were your kind of initial experience with quantum? What is it that you found so interesting and fascinating about this technology when you first started kind of back in the 90s? Well, uh, back in the 1990s, I did my uh, PhD in, <clears throat> um, in a, in a subject that is somewhat related to quantum computing. Mm -hmm. The title of my PhD thesis was uh, Phase Transitions in Quantum Latest Systems. So mm -hmm. not completely dissimilar uh, to what we are doing now. Uh, and uh, once I left physics and started my career in finance, 
and I was a traditional quant. I was building pricing models. I was building risk management models mm -hmm. uh, before moving into machine learning and then into quantum computing. Uh, and I, I never thought that uh, 20 years down the line, I will come back and I will use uh, the same models. I will look again at uh, Isaac model, for example. Mm, mm. So, so I think um, um, it's it's a kind of homecoming for me. Yes. To some yeah. extent. Uh, and our serious involvement in uh, quantum computing research uh, began three years ago okay. uh, when we started our collaboration with USRA, the Universities Space Research Association. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where we conducted uh, quantum computing research on the wave quantum annular uh, based at uh, NASA Ames uh, Research Center. Mm. And, and the main objective of our research uh, was to look at the possible real world and finance related use cases, uh, which are uh, potentially very hard for classical computers, but hopefully yeah. are quantumly easy. Yeah. And we managed to find such a use case. So uh, we looked at uh, a discrete portfolio optimization problem, which is known to be NP-hard for classical computers. Okay. And um, uh, we, uh, we deployed a technique, a uh, newly developed technique at that time, uh, reverse quantum annealing. And I believe we were the first to actually try this new technique of reverse quantum annealing on a large scale uh, fully connected graph problem. So uh, I think um, we, we were very happy with our research and obtained results, especially mm -hmm. uh, because we established up to two orders of magnitude quantum speed up okay. relative to a standard classical laptop, obviously ignoring all sorts of computational overheads. Okay. So it was a good result, but most importantly, uh, it proved the point that uh, quantum annealing is a viable approach to solving complex uh, portfolio optimization problems, uh, mm. especially as the quantum annealing technology matures. Okay, and um, so obviously that was around about three years ago. So has that been kind of the sole focus around the portfolio optimization um, projects? Is that been kind of the sole focus over the last three years or so at, at Standard Chartered? Uh, uh, it was our starting point. Okay. Uh, now, uh, now we are moving more towards uh, gate model quantum computing. Okay. We want to explore uh, different techniques, different methods, uh, different uh, quantum computing technologies. Okay. Uh, because at the moment it's not clear uh, which one will be the ultimate winner. So uh, it's a, it's important to explore as many possible techniques and methods as possible, mm -hmm. and uh, build institutional knowledge. In, in all of them. Yeah, and I mean, just going back to kind of standard, standard chartered and their view of, of quantum computing, is this, when we look at quantum as a as a really viable source of, of technology that can really change the game when it comes to developing your portfolios, your products and services, what's the view on quantum? Is that a priority in which standard charting are spending money to implement or is it right now is it is it more of a test bed type of thing uh, i think we should start probably uh with uh, an observation which is widely shared by uh, uh quantum computing community but also by uh wider uh community of researchers uh it is that um 
uh, uh, quantum computing is going to change uh, our world and massively disrupt all businesses, all processes, mm-hmm. uh, probably to the same extent as uh, traditional uh, classical uh, digital computing did uh, in the 20th century mm-hmm. or more recently internet did, uh, say, 20 years ago, right? We, we cannot imagine world without internet. We cannot imagine world without uh, our uh, silicon-based uh, classical digital computers. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably in the 21st century, it would be uh, quantum computing and generally quantum technologies that will shape uh, all the new technologies of the 21st century. So uh, we look at quantum computing as the next big thing. And obviously, uh, it's, it's important to be part of new emerging uh, technology ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And there is clear uh, first mover advantage in this respect. Okay. So uh, uh, three years ago, we started with uh, adiabatic quantum computing and we explored capabilities of D-Wave quantum annealer. And now uh, we want to experiment with digital gate model quantum computers, understand their capabilities. And uh, I think our objective is to focus on uh, use cases, real world use cases, where we have a realistic chance to establish a quantum advantage. So we can demonstrate without any doubt that uh, deploying quantum computing for a particular problem uh, gives us tangible, uh, quantifiable benefits. Okay, okay. Um, and just just because I know that some of our listeners won't be familiar with, with quantum annealing, that's the process of um, kind of solving problems using quantum technology, right? Uh, yes. Um, uh, quantum annealing is uh, an analog type of uh, computing, unlike mm-hmm. digital gate model uh, type of quantum computing. Mm-hmm. Um, analog, analog computing is very interesting in, in its own right. Uh, there are classical analog computers. They were very popular uh, back in 1940s, 1950s, even in 1970s. Mm-hmm. But then ultimately uh, development of uh, um, silicon chips um, uh, obviously made um, uh, further research in analog uh, classical computing somewhat irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, now um, when we <clears throat> look at uh, uh, quantum computing technologies, it's very tempting to look at both um, quantum computing based on quantum logic gates as analog of uh, digital mm-hmm. quantum uh, dig- dig- digital silicon uh, uh, classical quantum computer uh, uh, classical computers mm-hmm. and also at analog uh, which is uh, what uh, quantum annealing or adiabatic quantum computing is doing where we effectively have a system quantum mechanical system which we allow to evolve naturally and through natural evolution of a system uh, we can solve a particular problem Okay. Okay. Um, and I mean, when we're looking at solving those problems, I'm guessing a lot of the the kind of the problems and the models you're following are quite probabilistic, um, kind of in the in that line of uh, the finance industry. What kind of benchmarks or, or kind of measures of success are you looking for at this stage? Um, can you give us a bit of information about um, from the projects you've worked on, what's gone well, what perhaps hasn't gone so well, and how has that informed um, your kind of your projects and your work um, going forward? Yeah, um, so I, I think uh, there are different, obviously different measures of uh, what we can call success 
-hmm. And uh, there are different uh, metrics that we can use uh, to measure the quality of results that we obtain uh, with uh, quantum hardware uh, relative to uh, classical benchmarking. Mm -hmm. uh, it also depends uh, what kind of model uh, we are using and what kind of problem we are solving. Mm -hmm. At the moment, we believe that uh, the most important, uh, if not the most promising, area of um, uh, quantum computing research, applied quantum computing research, is uh, quantum machine learning, where uh, we have a possibility to uh, explore existing noisy, small-scale uh, uh, quantum hardware for solving uh, real-world uh, problems, real-world use cases. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, very complex uh, algorithms have to wait until uh, quantum technologies mature, until we build large-scale um, uh, gate model quantum computers with millions and millions of physical qubits and many thousands of logical qubits. But mm -hmm. at the moment, uh, we want to use existing hardware, as I said, relatively small and noisy, but nevertheless uh, capable of solving some um, uh, uh, machine learning problems and help us uh, with uh, developing a hybrid uh, quantum classical uh, mm -hmm. protocol where uh, we, can, we can do essentially all the work classically, we can source data classically, we can construct features uh, classically, and then we would just outsource really complex tasks uh, to, to the quantum chip. We can make a call to the quantum uh, hardware and uh, get results back and then continue analysis classically. So mm -hmm. in this case, uh, we will we look at uh, what is known as uh, parameterized quantum circuits, a special type of uh, uh, algorithms. Uh, okay. and. Uh, these models, parameterized quantum circuits that can be trained as either generative or discriminative machine learning models. Okay. And if, if you would train it as a generative model, so we can generate new synthetic data, we, we can sample uh, from particular uh, uh, learned empirical distribution, then the measure of success would be how far uh, in sort of distribution statistical sense are uh, samples generated using this model from the training data set. Mm. And there are many ways in which we can measure this distance and decide whether uh, samples, generated samples are of high quality or not. Mm -hmm. Or if you would train a discriminative model, uh, then it would be probably a classifier that would try to uh, perform uh, before, uh, to assign a label of, to a particular sample. And then uh, again, we, we have a lot of classical benchmarks, uh, classical uh, classifiers, and hopefully we can, we can establish uh, a fact that uh, uh, parameterized quantum circuits having uh, far more expressive power than comparable classical neural networks can outperform them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I mean, it, it sounds like you've got some absolutely incredible kind of projects and work and you've really got a very clear process in terms of what's the problem we want to solve, what's the way to do that and what's the kind of expected result. And just in general, just looking back at what we've discussed, I think we've got a really good view of, of your kind of personal work with 
with quantum what that means in a standard chartered form and kind of some of the projects we're working on um is there you know if we were to focus on one of those key projects or applications that you've completed over the last kind of three years or so um is there any one project that kind of sticks out any kind of lessons learned from that that you can share with us uh, i think uh, our main uh, uh, lesson learned is that it's uh, vitally important uh, to be part of a wider uh, technological ecosystem and have partnerships partnerships yeah. with uh, quantum hardware manufacturers partnerships with research institutions uh, partnerships with uh, quantum software development companies mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I think it's it's especially important for uh, a financial institution a bank or maybe uh, even even if it would look um, uh, from slightly elevated point uh, um, in any business any any corporate and any uh, uh, any manufacturing company uh, we, we focus on our own use cases mm-hmm. uh, we have our own problems to solve and quantum computing as any other type of high performance computing is a tool that we are using or tools that we, we are going to use in the future mm-hmm. and therefore uh, we need to partner uh, with uh, specialized companies who are developing this new technology mm. and um, if we join uh, these partnerships at early stage uh, then we would have a chance uh, to shape research to some extent and be part of it and uh, build institutional knowledge um, uh, from from early days. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the last thing we, we want is to just uh, stay aside uh, and not be involved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because uh, it, it ultimately it would be too expensive to catch up later. I yes. think the right thing to do is uh, to start as early as possible, build internal knowledge, institutional knowledge of new technology, and mm-hmm. then uh, we'll, we'll be ready uh, to realize uh, the first move advantage when uh, the right time comes. Mm. And I mean, in terms of kind of sharing that information with peers within the kind of the banking and financial sector, are there any other kind of partnerships you're having on, on that cross level, aside from building up those partnerships and supply chains with all the different other niche parts of the ecosystem? Are there, is there anyone specific within the financial sector that you perhaps can give a bit more information or, or not? Um, I, I, I think right now uh, um, uh, we're at the stage when we observe so many new startups coming yeah. up yeah well, well almost daily right uh it's uh, to some extent it resembles uh, dot com uh, bubble mm-hmm. of late 90s um uh, which is also uh, probably confirmation of, uh, of, um, of the statement of the fact that uh, everyone looks at uh, quantum technologies especially quantum computing technology as the next big thing so um, more and more resources are dedicated into research in this area mm-hmm. uh, by both uh, uh, hardware developers and software developers. Mm-hmm. Uh, as uh, as a financial institution, uh, we obviously want to want to get involved, and we're looking at many many possibilities, many opportunities, um, and I'm sure in, in the next couple of years 
uh, will have even more uh, opportunities and uh, possibilities to get involved mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in this new technology. Uh, uh, from our perspective, uh, we can contribute interesting problems to solve. Mm -hmm. Finance uh, always uh, generated very interesting use cases, very difficult and hard problems to solve. Uh, we also have our own capabilities, um, uh, research teams, uh, quant teams in financial institutions uh, are very good at uh, solving complex um, problems, uh, deploying different techniques. Uh, so I think um, a partnership, ultimately partnership between different uh, businesses, uh, uh, between companies from different areas mm -hmm. is very productive. And yeah. I think it, it, it would benefit uh, uh, all of us. Definitely. And I, I think that that's what I'm seeing more and more as the kind of the startups grow. You're seeing more investment and funding in the sector. You're seeing more of a push towards that that partnership um, angle, as you mentioned, and building up those those supply chains to see that dynamic between the quantum ecosystem. Um, actually, something you talk, spoke about when you first started speaking about how you started with quantum um, within Standard Chartered was your work with USRA. And I know that you've recently announced some some more collaboration between you guys. Can you tell us a little bit more about that that work? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, so I, I explained that uh, we looked at um, um, uh, portfolio optimization uh, use cases. Uh, it was our starting point. That's that's uh, what we did uh, uh, back uh, three years ago. Mm -hmm. And now uh, we're looking at uh, new problems to solve, uh, new interesting use cases and techniques. Um, we want to explore uh, quantum machine learning uh, uh, problems uh, solvable on uh, quantum annulers. Mm -hmm. um, uh, especially, uh, we're interested in uh, uh, generative models such mm -hmm. as um, uh, uh, quantum uh, Boltzmann machine and uh, uh, quantum variational autoencoder. Uh, very interesting approaches uh, to perform sampling from learned empirical distributions. Mm -hmm. uh, using uh, quantum hardware, quantum manila, uh, can be done much faster mm -hmm. uh, than uh, classically. Um, and uh, ability of um, uh, a quantum computer, like uh, D-Wave quantum manila, to actually uh, efficiently generate uh, new samples uh, is amazing. So that's what uh, uh, what we want to explore. Also, uh, there is a possibility uh, of building uh, discriminative models like uh, like classifiers uh, uh, using uh, uh, quantum annular, uh, which is also very, very interesting yeah. uh, problem to solve. Mm -hmm. uh, we are looking at a model called quantum boosting, where okay. the objective is to build uh, a strong classifier from a collection from ensemble of weak classifiers. So that's that's what we're going to to do next. Okay, all right. Well, it it kind of um, answered one of my final questions. Um, we're kind of coming to the end now, um, Alexi. So I've I've been so fascinated with what you've spoken about your previous work, what you're doing right now, and and what you're looking to do um, kind of in the future. Um, I've got a couple of questions to to kind of finish off. Really, um, the first is looking at 
you know you've been involved in the quantum industry now for so many years and I I really want to take the opportunity where I can to debunk um, some of the myths out there when it comes to quantum. What's the one thing that you hear time and time again um, that is untrue? Uh, I think I'm not original here. Uh, It it is something that uh, many researchers such as Scott Aronson and others uh, often highlight. So probably uh, the single most common misconception uh, is the following. Uh, it, it is usually said that um, the classical computer operates on bits, and uh, classical bits uh, can be in two different states, say zero and one, mm-hmm. while a quantum computer operates on quantum bits, on qubits, that can exist simultaneously in, 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 in both states zero and one at the same time. And, uh, and therefore, a quantum computer, we say 100 qubits, uh, can explore two into power 100 uh, possible states at the same time and can try all possible uh, uh, all possible answers at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and this is why quantum computers are so powerful and have almost uh, magic uh, power. And, and this is actually a very serious uh, uh, misconception. It's a seriously misleading statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uh, it effectively it claims almost supernatural power of quantum computers, which is actually not the case. Uh, so let, let me explain why it's not the case and how quantum computers actually work. Okay. So okay. Uh, uh, quantum mechanics uh, says that uh, every possible state of the physical system, like, like state of our quantum computer, uh, should be assigned a number called amplitude. Now, okay. am- amplitudes are related to the probabilities so the larger the amplitude, the larger the probability uh, to observe a particular state of the physical system. Mm-hmm. But amplitudes are different from probabilities. Unlike a probability, an, ampli- an amplitude uh, can be negative. In, in fact, it can it can be complex number. Okay. So the power the power of quantum computer comes from the fact that amplitudes work differently from probabilities. So when uh, probabilities uh, uh, can only uh, can only add up. So mm-hmm. the more ways uh, something can happen, the larger the probability of, of this event. But amplitudes can interfere destructively. Mm-hmm. They can cancel each other out. Right. I see. Okay. It means that the, uh, it means that uh, 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 the quantum computer uh, uh, operating on hundred qubits can actually maintain a superposition of two into the power 100 states with their amplitudes. But at the same point, uh, uh, um, if you would try to, uh, to perform measurement and perform the readout, uh, then all this uh, 10 into the power 100 uh, states would collapse into a single uh, definite state. So what we what we would read out from this uh, computer would be just a single uh, classical bit string. So out of uh, two to the power hundred uh, possible answers, we'll get at most one answer. Okay. And okay. if 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 it would uh, create equal superposition of all possible states. Uh, then uh, the, the readout will give us just one state at random, which is okay. 
practically useless. We don't need a quantum computer for this. Okay. <laughs> so, so what we need to do, we need to uh, build an algorithm. We need to build quantum circuit mm -hmm. that would apply uh, quantum logic gates on, on the state of quantum computer, yeah. on the state of our system, and manipulate it in such a way that some uh, amplitudes would interfere destructively and would cancel out each other. So the bad answers will have much smaller probabilities and good answers will have much higher probabilities. And okay. after that, uh, when we perform the readout, uh, then uh, we, we can get a correct answer, a good answer with much higher probability. So that's how quantum computer operates. And, okay. if, and, and, and it means that there is no magic power uh, behind quantum computer. It, it will not uh, give you uh, uh, the right answer to imagine to uh, extraordinary complex problem mm -hmm. in no time at all. Um, uh, but um, I, I think uh, if, 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 if you can say that uh, we should debunk this uh, myth of uh, enormous computing power, mm -hmm. this magic power of quantum computers, but instead actually look at what they're doing instead which is equally amazing, mm. uh, but uh, definitely make far more sense. Mm. Okay. Well, shattering those illusions, aren't you? Um, but yeah, that, that makes total sense. Um, I mean, let's so let's imagine we're talking a year from now. Um, my final question for you: What do you think we'll be discussing? What do you think will be the kind of topic of conversation? Uh, I think we'll be discussing a more powerful. Uh, gate model quantum computers. Okay. We use probably over 100 uh, high quality qubits, uh, which will definitely open uh, new possibilities and hopefully uh, will bring uh, the new era of uh, quantum advantage uh, a little bit closer. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it here, here first. Hopefully, we'll be kind of at that position this time from from now. So let let us see let's see what happens. Um. We've come to the end of the of the podcast. So, Alexi, thank you so much for for joining us. It's been really fascinating and really fantastic. Kind of kind of see that more academic and that that research background and tie in to how you're building that into your your day to day and your role at, at Standard Chartered and um, the kind of projects you're looking at and um, th those benchmarks of success, um, which I think are so vital when it comes to that implementation from a from a business to business standpoint. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, Alexi is actually part of the Quantum Computing Advisory Board um, that we that we have in place. This brings us to the end of our first season of um, of the first quantum tech podcast series so um thank you alexi it's been absolutely amazing um and um I'm, I'm sure we'll be hearing more from you um at the upcoming events um and and future um events that we host so um yes thank you for joining us thank you alexi once again thank you Sita. thank you everyone no problem catch you all next time thanks very much mm -hmm.